Welcome back to Back Chat with Joe Costigan, where every episode I interview a different guest on political and social issues that young people in Ireland care about. This episode I spoke to climate activist Saoirse McHugh on her experience in party politics and the solutions to the climate crisis. Thanks for talking to me today, Saoirse. I just really thought that it was important to hear from you, because climate change is one of the biggest issues facing the entire world right now, and it's something that young people are really, really passionate about, because whatever happens with the environment, we're going to be left deal with the damage. And as a young person in politics and activism yourself, I think your voice really resonates with people on this issue. And I know that you've been involved in activism for years, so what made you want to get involved initially at such a young age? Well, I suppose, first of all, thanks for having me, and uh, it's very kind of you to call me a young person um I suppose in terms of getting involved like my whole life um I have been an environmentalist and so anything I was involved in was um to do with the environment and it was actually much later in my life that I started kind of seeing connections between environmentalism and other progressive causes um you know I I would have always been progressive, but never made the connection. So I suppose why I started would have been, and I I never considered myself an activist. Like I would never have said I'm an activist and I wasn't online that much. So there's that as well. So a lot of uh, what I would call my activism would have been um, involved with, you know, community groups or small um, farm groups or different you know seed saving groups or food um you know uh, these kind of direct market to farmer sale things over in England things like this um that I just you know I probably probably when I was about 20 I became obsessed with the idea of like food and agriculture as related to the environment um and it was it was through that it was you know when I a couple of years ago then um starting to get in contact with Irish politicians and starting to get involved with Irish politics that I really kind of was like, oh, wait a second. The, you know, I've been talking about food sovereignty for years, um, but like all of the, you know, connections with capitalism and everything kind of fell into place for me. So it was then I was like, right, well, I, I will try and, you know, get involved with Irish politics. And actually I joined Sinn Féin first living in Mayo or being back and forth to Mayo, I suppose I was in and out of the country an awful lot for the last decade, like working a year out or a year in or four months out of the country uh, or six months out of the country, six months here. And in Mayo, you know, it's Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael or Sinn Féin. So I actually got involved with Sinn Féin first. And when I think back to how naive I was, I kind of had this like, oh, you know, these politicians just don't know what we could do with agriculture. Like, I'll just tell them and then it'll be perfect. And like, every, they'll be like, oh, seriously, what a great idea. We could save the world and, you know, have a thriving agricultural sector. Um, and yeah, so I suppose, I don't know how I even answer your question. I've, I've just gone off rambling there. No, um, I think you raised it actually, a really interesting point there about young people joining political parties and, you know, based on maybe one idea or one policy, and thinking that they're going to come in and join that party and that they will be the answer to all these issues. So do you think that you were too quick to jump into joining a political party straight away to try and kind of further your activism? And would you have, would you advise people to be more cautious when joining a party? Look, I suppose had I not joined, I still, you know, and, and maybe other people uh, are better at 
like I, I feel I have to kind of experience a lot of things to you know I have to make my own mistakes um and you know people did say to me don't bother don't bother joining you know you're you're only going to get um disappointed you know maybe political parties aren't as uh maybe all political parties aren't as genuine in their attempts to better society as they might seem but I think I for myself I really had to experience it myself to believe it because it's kind of you don't believe in especially I think when you're uh when you haven't been involved you're like no way would people be so cynical over something like this of course everyone wants to make the world a better place and wants to do so you know with 100% open genuine uh commitment to that um so I like you know I think people will join parties but as long as you're able to continue to see when that party has like actually not lived up to your expectations or isn't maybe what you thought it was or maybe what it sells itself as and was that um, your own then, experience in Sinn Féin did you find that they weren't what they sold themselves as I I suppose I was unaware myself of how this is a silly thing to say. I suppose I was unaware of the politics within a political party, if you get me. <laughs> and I found, you know, and, and also, I, you know, you think that TDs and stuff are very busy. Um, but I, I found them to be uh, very weak on the environment at the time. Um, and, and around what time was and, this? What year were you involved in Sinn Féin? This was two thousand and I'm gonna say seventeen maybe. So a few years um, ago, but in the yeah. the last the last doll. So not, yeah. not that far not that far back. Yeah. Um and, you know and also I kind of I had never been in a political party before and I didn't know how to navigate it properly or like quite what to do. Um and so then what I started thinking was uh, maybe if I could, maybe if there could be some sort of like overarching um, environmental policy that, you know, all of the rest of government policy or or this policy, I suppose, could come from some sort of like agreed overarching goal. Uh, you know, once again, I was big on the naivety. Um, you know, perhaps then this would stop the environment being kind of been used as a party political kind of way to score points um against other parties and so I started ringing around different politicians and like I must caveat all of this with the fact that like I didn't really know what I was doing I was just some randomer being like oh hey uh what about this idea you know I I'm not say like I definitely if I were to join parties now would have a much better um feel for how you actually go about these things um do you sort of have to play the game of the party? You have to play the game of the party, but you also have to like, you know, you have to just be in there and, and be there for years sometimes and develop trust and develop relationships in the party and learn how the particular party works in in building uh, trust and stuff. Like the way I was looking at it, I was just like, nobody has a good environmental policy. Maybe they just haven't thought about it. Maybe I'll go tell them what's <laughs> like when I think about it. And was um, that your plan to go into a party like Sinn Féin and maybe become their climate spokesperson or to influence their policy? Was that the reason that you joined? Yeah, uh, and, and particularly their agricultural policy. 
I was looking at it there because I, 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 it blows my mind always that agriculture and environment are in any way separate as policies. Um, and definitely I was not thinking of becoming a spokesperson. Really, I was just looking for, you know, perhaps uh, internship roles, perhaps uh, vol- like I offered to, you know, volunteer in different ways to be like, oh, I could write, I could look at writing environmental policy, uh, environmental agri policy. But yeah, like I think a lot of it was probably down to my own uh, impatience combined with maybe lack of t- proper tact or use, being used to party structures. I was just going to say, like, I've definitely, you know, learned as I've been around that some people are much better at navigating party structures than others. And what made you decide to leave Sinn Féin and join the Green Party instead? Well, so I was um, I was talking to different politicians about this side of, sort of like overarching all party um, environmental structure or environmental policy. Um, and I ended up talking to Eamon Ryan about it. And he was like, oh, yes, yes, great idea. And I, I don't know, did I meet with him again over something? But anyway, he goes to me. I often think, I bet you he, I bet you he wishes he'd vetted me. He goes, would you run for us in the European elections? And I remember, I, I was like, okay, well, I'll think about it. And I remember and that And were you day, still a member of Sinn Féin at this point? Or had you left yeah. Sinn Féin? No, so I was still, still a member of Sinn Féin. Still a member of Sinn Féin, um, talking to Eamon Ryan and considering running for them, for the Greens. Well, like, as in, I was talking to all politicians, all different politicians, and then he asked me, and I kind of agreed and then I like I left. It wasn't like there was, you know, months going by where I was just, you know, trying to hedge my bets. I was just like, oh, all right, I suppose I better leave that other party I'm in. Um, and, and the way I thought about it was like, and this is the theme of my life. You know, I I was kind of feeling stuck. Like, I don't know how to be useful and how to be helpful. And I figured like, for myself the you know the job I usually do it's actually gone with COVID now um you know we're not working from October to February March anyway so I was like I have the winter I may as well you know use an election cycle as a way to kind of maybe structure a campaign um and to you know to talk about the environment like it was it was really kind of like a all right sure we'll give it a go it's a way to to yeah to campaign and to to help me kind of clarify my own thoughts um so I said yeah I would and I left Sinn Féin and like that you know joining the Greens a a lot of people as well the same people who told me not to join any party were saying like don't join the Greens oh my god and I kind of you know I did once again with the naivety um the the structures within the Green Party kind of give the impression that it's extremely democratic and I was like, yeah, look, there's no way, uh, you know, the leadership could ever, uh, you know, force things or push things a certain way because everything is member led and member votes and, and all this sort of thing. And yeah, it'll be fine. Like, surely everyone, you know, can see that we need to, you know, look at our economic system and this will be totally fine and totally normal and of course it'll be fine and no one will de- no one will ever go into government with Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael again of course they've learned their lesson and like several ex-greens who had left last time even rang me and were like what are you doing you know come on don't do this so you've uh, been warned off by people who've been in the same situation as you that they'd gone through the same cycle and that they well this was 
yeah, this is more uh, like after the Europeans coming up to the general um, and after the general during the, but by then well, I was already like, sure, look, if, if we fail, I leave. Like if the, the no vote in the, for the program for government fail, I leave and sure I may as well stay in and try and convince them not to do this. Um, and was it fr- so, frustrating yeah. not to be listened to when you and so many other members, particularly younger members, were advocating against voting for that programme for government, did you feel a massive sense of frustration that the leadership and a lot of members in general were sort of ploughing on without really listening to you? Um, well, like, you know, I suppose everyone had a vote in it. Obviously, it was frustrating to see people uh, going to make the same mistake as they had made 10 years ago in living memory. Um and that was really frustrating. And it was really frustrating to see the whole uh, kind of narrative around the Greens going into government. Like, I don't know were you paying attention to it much. Maybe it's because that was all I was thinking about at the time. It was like, you'd all these newspapers be like, the Greens will be the kingmaker. And the Greens need to go into government to provide a stable country. Or the Greens need to go into government for COVID. Or the Greens, you know in two minds, risks the country's response to COVID, blah, blah. Like, it was relentless. Everyone was like, the Greens have to go into government. Yeah, there's a lot of media attention on them. And I think maybe, you think that was part of the reason why they chose to go into government? Because if they said no, government formation talks would have collapsed just across the board. There was no, there weren't really any alternative governments there to be formed. Do you think that is part of why they went into government? Did you think Eamon Ryan and the party, they just wanted to be in power again? Or was it a mix of the two? (laughs) I think there was a mix like uh, you know there was definitely like 70 something percent of the party voted um to go into government and you know out, out of that 70 something there's definitely people who were like who you know 100 percent believe that no matter what even getting the smallest thing done no matter the damage you do to people's perception of environmentalism you know if you get like a train or something this is worth it and then there was people who definite you know were like felt that pressure from the media and then there was people who were convinced by like there was a lot of lies being told about what was in the program for government um and but I think the most compelling thing within the Greens was doing something in government is better than getting nothing done outside government so I think a lot of people went in um voted to go in because of that so I, I like I yeah I, I, it's hard to say that there was w- any one reason for people to vote to go in. But in your eyes, it was a mistake for the Green Party to go into government this time around. Yeah. So since the general election, you've talked a lot online about how you don't think that the answer to the climate crisis lies in electoral politics, or really the answers to any political or social causes. So, what's the alternative to electoral politics? Where do you think we should be focusing our attention on? Yeah, and I suppose with this, uh, once again, like, my main thing is I don't really know. It's just kind of something I've been thinking about. Not that, like, online, you're not like you're given much kind of leeway to to say, well, I, you know, I don't really know. Um, You know, I suppose the way I'm, I'm thinking about it is that, you know, while we have our governments and, and set up the way they are, within our states the way they are i just cannot imagine like you know states are there to protect private interests they always have been that's you know where they've come from why they were founded so i just find it 
difficult to think how you know how we can ever untangle that and like there's you know there's much smarter people than me who have thought a lot about this but specifically in an Irish context you know I remember tweeting about this once and I, I kind of actually didn't even mean something as a something so um big as like should states exist really more what I was talking about is that regardless of who is in the doll um policies or different things will always only ever pass based on public support and likewise if there's no public support for something no matter who's in the doll who's advocating for it it probably won't pass like I genuinely believe you could have 160 something Fine Gael seats or whatever and if they were afraid of losing all of those seats because they weren't taking environmental action they would take environmental action so do you think that so the really, best way to get environmental action is to be vocal about it and to put pressure on whoever's in the doll or whoever's in, whether it's in government or in opposition, do you think it's all about public pressure? Is that how you get stuff done? I think, uh, unfortunately, we do have, in Ireland, we have a system where a lot of, especially big, the two big parties really, are really more about, apart from, aside from any clear ideology, they're more, They've become um, institutions whose main job is to get seats rather than to get seats to do something else. It's it's really weird, actually, when you look at it. It's more like the, the, the seat itself is the end goal and maintaining the seat is the end goal rather than using that seat for something. So, yeah, I do think that if if those seats are threatened and I, I you know, like that, I as to how to build that sort of public pressure, I'm not sure. Um, but I, I do think that like it could almost make whoever's in the doll much less important. Like we wouldn't have to rely on one person getting a seat or another person getting a seat if every single TD in the doll was like, shit, my seat will fucking collapse if uh, if I'm not seen to do X, Y, Z. So do you think maybe once um, the pandemic is over, we might see the return of the school strikes? Because I think that's, if you look back in the last sort of five years, there has been the most political and media attention on environmentalism when students are out there striking from school. They're in the tens of thousands in their streets right across the country. Do you think we need to see that sort of stuff start again once it's safe to do so? Yeah, like that would be great to start again and uh, to escalate probably. Um, Because there is an, I, you know, I thought I was imagining at first, but I've I've listened to school strikers talk about um, being used as, like props as like these kind of weird like yeah props I saw who was it recently um was tweeting about some I think it was a a housing company or an investment company using a school striker as a as their um as an ad basically and like you know you'll always see TDs out posing with school strikers and then going in and doing exactly the opposite of what school strikers would like so definitely to see the school strikers out again would be brilliant and to see an escalation um now like that i don't know what that looks like i'm sure they're you know i'm sure fridays for future are talking about that themselves um and i'm sure whatever they do will be quite considered and quite maybe quite good uh in raising public awareness because like you're right there's always a, a massive increase in attention right of around climate action, around those school strikes. But I, I think it has to become more than that. Like, 
I think a lot of the work of the environmental movement now will be trying to get a message across as to what it could be and what it can be. And like, the, you know, there's different sections, there's different sectors, I suppose, where like, misinf- like misinformation, just straight up misinformation has started quite uh, viciously over the last year. Um, Such as what? Which, what type of misinformation is being spread about the movement? Well, not necessarily about the movement, but so for instance, just uh, before I was talking to you, I saw a um, dairy lobbyist, like he, he's a lobbyist, that's his job, tweeting about... Um, it was something along the lines of uh, I'm often lectured by urban people in offices about about Ireland being a biodiversity desert. It's not the country I know. Hashtag proud to farm. And it's like, OK, yeah, but <laughs> but it's true. Like they're completely collapsing and you can put up a picture of your cows and your dog. But biodiversity is collapsing. But there's been like a real increase in that. Or I see um like agriculture is where I noticed it because it's where I'm paying attention. Like I saw AgriAware a while ago, um, you know, tweeting about how methane disappears after 10 years, but carbon dioxide didn't disappear until like 800 years. And I'm like, and what does the methane turn into after 10 years, AgriAware? Um, so was that but, kind of frustrating to see these lies being peddled as fact by quite trustworthy sources? You'd think that AgriAware would be a source that you could trust for this type of information. Oh, it's incredibly frustrating, but of course it's going to happen. Like this is this is what happens when industries feel threatened, and like there's there's a once again I know I maybe pay more attention to agricultural issues, but there's huge misinformation starting to be pushed by extremely like rich, powerful business interests. Um, so, do you think that and, capitalism is part of what's causing the climate crisis? Do you think that you can have effective environmentalism in a capitalist society or do you think that also needs to change i i've often thought about this i actually do think that in some like horrific dystopian future the environment could be saved but i think it'd be a lot like elysium or something like that or one of these kind of like horror futuristic programs where only the rich have access to the lovely environment and the poor live in squalor in like like with, I don't know, aliens and robots and whatever. Um, but I do not think there's a way forward for a world we would like uh, through capitalism. So you think eco-socialism yeah. is the answer to the climate crisis? In, yes. in, its, in simple terms, that's the answer. Yeah. And and like that, I suppose it, it's hard. I have no imagination whatsoever. Uh, and I find it hard to, because it's hard not to just look at the versions of socialism we have like historical visions of socialism and just like stick eco onto it um rather than building something new from the ground up and i think like when i when i think about what the future might hold i kind of do in a way kind of get excited because i think there systems and and ways of living and ways of interacting will emerge that maybe we haven't thought about yet but yeah, I, I think that there's no kind of way forward to a good life without a form of eco-socialism. And do you think that um, the conversation around what we can do to protect the environment, do you think that sometimes puts too much pressure on the individual to change our own actions as opposed to huge corporations who are doing far more polluting than, let's say, me doing an ASOS haul is doing? You know, I mean, they're, they're doing far they're doing much more damage to the environment than any of us are. 
Yeah, like, yeah, no, I suppose with the individual action, um, I take a load of individual action myself, but I would never advocate it as a kind of political answer. And I suppose the thing is, tackling large industries will result in you not being able to do an ASOS haul, but it won't be your choice, if you get me. Um, You don't think that every individual should be avoiding fast fashion, should be turning vegan you don't think that that's that's not the most important thing for the individual to do not that it's not important but it's not the most important thing that we can be doing like I mean I suppose it doesn't um doing those things doesn't preclude you doing like the things can be you know can be equally important like it doesn't have to be one or the other I suppose I often think that you know system change and talking about system change will result in our lives changing an awful lot in a lot of those ways that individual actions do change, like going vegan or stopping using fast fashion or stopping flying. And obviously companies do respond to consumers, but it's not like it's a completely rubbish way to try and get to a company. But, you know, like that. Yeah. I would never advocate. I would never say, Oh, if you just do this and if you just do that, because I think that hides the scale of the problem. But I would also, you know, often encourage people, people I know. Now I wouldn't, uh, I would never like, you know, say it to people I don't know. But to yeah, people I know, I'm like, you... yeah. But people I know, I'm like, would you not consider going vegan though? You know, or would you not like reduce your fast fashion intake? Because um, I think there's a lot of guilt around it. Not so much with veganism. I think people who eat meat and eat dairy I don't think there's the same level of guilt there. But there's a lot of people who can afford to buy their clothes on Depop or go to charity shops, which the more they're gentrified are getting more and more expensive, that people from low income and working class areas, you know, they can't, sometimes ASOS or Sheen, that's their only, that's their only choice when they want to go buy clothes. So Mm. I think a lot of the time people shaming people supporting fast fashion aren't really seeing that that's not really the problem because if you can't afford to go out and spend 60 euro on an eco-friendly sustainable t-shirt and you can only afford to spend 10 euro on one in ASOS you know I think you can't really blame someone for doing that and I think putting all the pressure on that one issue is a bit unfair to working class people. Yeah it is unfair but it's also um, because you do see this coming up like it's also very true that the vast majority of of fast fashion halls are not for like uh are for people who, you know, go through and discard a huge amount of clothing rather than the, uh, you know, rather than, um, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just here because I can't afford something else. Like so a lot of the clothes that are bought are you something you'd wear a night out once ever and you would get rid of. Um, Cause like, you know, and fast fashion, it can be really expensive as well. Like yeah. everything in Brown Thomas is fast fashion, a lot of it. Um, and, you know, it's a difficult one because, and this is why I think it would have to be some sort of eco-socialism, because if you cannot raise people out of poverty enough, like as soon as you say, well, actually, you know, we need to, you have to reduce the amount of seasons or uh, stop companies like Primark dumping clothes or incinerating clothes, or um, you have to put, you know, a yeah some sort of like disincentive for them to landfill or burn clothes 
then you know all of a sudden you have people saying well you know what about people who who can't afford them and I'm like yeah and we shouldn't let Primark continue to destroy the planet just because people can't afford it we should make sure everyone can afford good clothes exactly like, that's and I the think answer in a capitalist society if it becomes popular to suddenly be you know supporting these eco-friendly sustainable brands if their incentive is profit they're only going to continue to drive up those prices and making it inaccessible for people from low-income backgrounds so like you were saying I think it all comes back to the idea that if you want to see real environmental change that can't really happen in a capitalist society. No it can't and it's the same with food like unless you deal with things like poverty your everything else is only just is going to be a band-aid that will be having unintended uh knock-on effects to you know in different kind of um in different groups um so like oftentimes when you know these fixes come in and this is why i wonder about you know our, our governments and stuff like when these fixes come in that's all they are they're just these like band-aids and it's like well i wonder you know how could a state ever say actually we're going to uh you know we're going to get rid of capitalism we're going to step out of capitalism and i've often thought maybe you could just move section by section out of capitalism like moving again the state could do that a state could move all our energy all our health care it could move our food outside of a capitalist system like there's so much a state could do um to move outside capitalism but yeah then at the end i'm like oh then what about like yeah as i said yeah my imagination's really poor i've no idea what like that next step would be then I how think to... there's a fear as well if you're moving section by section into using more eco-socialist values there's i suppose a danger that some areas or some groups of people might be left behind that you and you could end up with sort of a form of social democracy as opposed to eco-socialism and you know, because if we yeah. move, if we suddenly say, "Oh well, we've done this, that, and the other," we might become very complacent and saying, "Oh well, we can leave the rest now." And yeah. I think we kind of maybe do we need to move it all at once, as opposed so that nobody gets left behind. Because I think if you're not going for a holistic approach, nothing is going to change. You know, there are way too many elements causing the climate crisis that I don't think we can fix it with just kind of one or two changes. Yeah, and it's so hard to it's so hard for me to imagine like what that could look like. Like yeah. how does that even play out? And you know, I, I've been reading about different kind of revolutions and stuff, and it always feels like like there you know, things happen in them that I just can't uh place nowadays and imagine nowadays, if you get me. Yeah, it's sort of hard to kind of contextualize those sort of stuff into yeah. twenty twenty one. Yeah, like a big ship, a ship worker, a ship uh, builder strike, you know, become massive and takes over or these massive like bread riots and stuff. I'm like, I just don't, I just don't see. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know where it will come from. And, and what, like, I'm just going to say, I don't know if it even, you know, if it will come from Ireland because it will have to, I don't think it will. Or maybe, you know, maybe not that it won't come from Ireland, but it won't start in Ireland. You know, it maybe it'll be a wave coming, you know, sweeping across the world that we just get caught up in. That, like, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how it'll turn out. I suppose no one does really. I suppose we can just, without, as I was saying, putting too much pressure on individual actions. What do you think? If somebody wants to get involved in environmentalism, 
what do you think the first step is and what do you think they should focus on after that? Well, I suppose it depends on where they're living. Like in some areas, it's there are different groups and organizations that are really easy to get involved with. Um, and I suppose, you know, it does depend on their own skill set. Like if, for instance, you know, if they are from a farming background, just starting to do it differently and building, you know, your community around you could have a massive effect. And like some of, some of the some of the coolest things have started from like and the coolest movements and organizations have started from just a few people uh, sharing knowledge and, you know, education exchanges and stuff like that. I suppose I would look at what area you're most interested in and go to talks and go to different, you know, information exchanges and stuff and, and see what you're into. Because I don't think like when you, even when you talk about the environment, it's so big. It's so hard. Like when I when I read about energy or transport, I'm like, oh, blah, 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 blah. Like, I know it's important. <laughs> Can somebody who cares about where's the summary? Because <laughs> I just can't be I'm not interested in it. And it's so hard to be. Um, and it's quite overwhelming, I think, when you try and look at everything there are so many problems coming at us all the time to try and focus on all of them all at once can be really overwhelming and might deter someone from actually getting involved even more yeah so I would say find what you love first and find what like what doesn't feel like a chore because I have tried to read stuff like about transport I'm just like oh Christ this is so dull um so yeah find what you love and find a way of getting involved that you love as well because like I really like working with people and physical work. Um, like I find, you know, I find like, you know, Zoom organizing meetings. I just, I'm like, oh God, oh no, not another one. Um, quite but some people are brilliant at that. Yeah. And some people are brilliant at like writing reports or building campaigns or, you know, whatever it is. So I'd say find what you love actually would be the best way to get involved. And I know you were saying that we shouldn't rely on, politicians or whoever's in government at one time to implement environmental policy but coming up to future elections whether it's local european or general what in your opinion what parties should people be looking at or whether it's independence who do you think we should turn to or who has the best climate policy there was a new uh, a new political party there launched over the weekend, and despite the independents still using my photo, <laughs> I'm not involved. But you know, a lot of my friends and um, people I have worked with in the past are so and like really good people. So it looks like they'll be very good now. <laughs> Whether they'll have the size to be running candidates in more than a few constituencies, I don't know. There are certain independents that are really really good like I think Catherine Connolly is very good I think Thomas Pringle is really good um there are you know people like Paul Murphy are excellent Lynn Boylan is really good but like you know some shinners are not really good on the environment and some of them are actually very poor on the environment so less I suppose less about parties which I know maybe is not that strategic but I would look at the individuals in your area you know Breed Smith's really good on climate and then, you know, in the Shannon, I know that they're both on university panel. People like Lynn Ruan and Alice Mary Higgins is excellent. There's just, there's independent councillors like M. McAleer is really good. Like there, there's loads of, of individuals that I would vote for. Um, the running theme is that they're all left-wing politicians. 
Yes. So you think yeah. that if someone wants to, um, when, some, when someone's voting in the next election, when they're doing their ballot, it's left, left parties, left independents. Do you think that's, that's the way to go? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I know, um, like I, there's definitely an argument to be made that you should vote far more strategically in order to keep Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael out. So looking at parties that have excluded them who had said, oh, we won't be going in with Fianna Fáil or Fine Gael. And I think PPP are the only ones who have. Are they? Yeah, I think people. I think, I think Sinn Fein have said they'll speak to anybody. The Social Democrats mm-hmm. ruled it out the last time, but I don't think it's a it's not a blanket rule for them. Not that I've seen anyway. Could be wrong. Yeah. So, so if voting that way, it's only really PVP. But then again, I do think if you got Fianna Fáil in, you could almost like they've completely vanished in this coalition. Like I think they and I think Fianna Fáil even more so than Fine Gael would just kind of go along with whatever. So yeah, I suppose there's ways to be even more strategic about what kind of imagining what kind of government might might come up come out of it but i do not have the data processing capacities to be looking at something like that so i would just look at your own constituency and see who's on it and see who's good and see who's good on on the environment because you can get people in good parties that are rubbish and you can get people that are really good in rubbish parties you know and it's really kind of like uh, in a lot of constituencies it's who's the least worst <laughs> you know yeah, you're just picking the best of a bad bunch yeah brilliant thanks so much for talking to me today Searsha I really appreciate it thank you thanks for having me so that was climate activist Searsha McHugh I hope you enjoyed our conversation next week I'll be joined by Mairead Farrell from Sinn Féin on her experience as a young TD and why Sinn Féin are resonating so strongly with young voters <laughs>